everyone, and welcome to the Cutaways Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Justine. So every week on our show, we watch Netflix movies, because who does not love to Netflix and chill? (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) That is not what we do, (laughs) but (laughs) I know that's what our listeners love to do. The kids these days. The kids, the kids, the kids, they love it. (laughs) Anyway, so we watched the the Netflix romantic comedy subgenre in chronological order from earliest film to the latest, which is what chronological means, and to gain context and insight into the romantic comedy genre. Yeah, you know, now that we're talking about <laughs> Netflix and chill, I would say it's a good... These would be good movies, you know, listen to our podcast, and then you can drop some knowledge, you yeah. know, and, and impress your date. Yeah. Yeah. Young gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Or young ladies. Yeah. Impress. Discuss. Have a conversation. Yeah. Get off, get off your electronic device and look up at the world. Stop looking down. It's not fun. We sound like bitter old ladies at this point, I feel like. That's, we are going to change the name of our podcast now to Bitter Old Ladies Watch Movies. Anyway, what are we watching today, Justine? <laughs> today we're watching 1956's High Society. Oh, High Society. Oh, and by the way, happy Thanksgiving. Yes, be thankful for, you know, things. Be thankful that we've got Bing Crosby, Grace Kelly, and Frank Sinatra. Oh, another Bing. Mm-hmm. This another is another Bing. Bing. <laughs> Bing and Frank. Oh, Bing and Frank. Bing and Frank plus Grace. Damn. I feel like we're going to be put to sleep. Maybe. It's... If they sing. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the description. A jazz musician tries to win back his socialite ex-wife while two gossip rag reporters gum up the works in this all-star Cole Porter musical. So they're going to sing. Yes, it's a musical. Okay, I'm down. It sounds like the musical version of His Girl Friday. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Are you just not seeing that? I was like, it reminds me of something. Because this is pretty much with, like, reporters and stuff. Like... I was like, we've seen this movie before. I'm like, we've seen this. Now they just sing. Now it's singing. (laughs) As directed by Charles Walters and on Netflix, it's rated four and a half stars. This is one of those new movies to Netflix, though, so I don't trust the ratings. I don't trust any of the Netflix ratings, even if they've been on there for a while. Yeah, that's true. Um, It was nominated for a 1957 Academy Award for... Best Music Song, and also for Best Music Score. It's just winning all the music. Well, it's nominated. Oh, it didn't win? No. I thought you said it won. No. Oh, okay. Nominee. It comes out so soon! Finding Dory? Yes. I'm so excited. Okay. Let's continue. We're going to stay on topic. Let's go watch High Society, (laughs) where we might fall asleep. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
Okay, we just watched High Society. <laughs> it, that's actually how it's supposed to be sound, or that's how it's supposed to sound, because you have yawns while you're saying the words. Yeah, I think that's what the italics mean. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Were you bored? Did you fall asleep? No, I didn't fall asleep. There were... I really liked the musical performances and, like, the musical numbers, but the story, it was just blah. Really? Because I, like, fell asleep during the musical performances because that's when, like, the story stopped. Even though it was blah, I was like, okay, nothing's gonna happen now. I can, like, shut my eyes and, like, go on the phone or something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. That's, that is... It's another musical, like, the musical we just watched, where I'm like, okay, these the story and these songs have nothing to do with each other. No, it's like, we're gonna take a play. Yes. A very successful play that's actually already had a movie made about it. Mm-hmm. Gonna add some songs in. Mm-hmm. Add some Bing Crosby and some little Frank Sinatra. Yeah, yeah, because we got little... these guys. Yeah. Hey, you guys. Hey, you guys. <laughs> I just had the feeling that... This movie would not be popular because these guys have been around for a while, and it's just, who wants to hear this anymore? I mean, they had some pop singer. I mean, they were popular, I feel like, in the early 50s, and now we're in, like, the mid to late. Rock and roll is, like, just taking its very first steps now. <laughs> it is It is in its... Um, fetal state? It is in its fetal state? Or, no, if it's taking its first oh, steps. okay. It, it was a fetus. It, it was it was already a born child. Oh, that's how it works. You don't walk before you... You don't walk when you're in the womb. You kick. Okay. <laughs> Unless you moonwalk. I don't know. <laughs> but they still had, like, Little Richard, and then, like, just around the corner, like, the Big Bopper and Buddy Hop. Okay, so the point is... These old crooners are getting old. This mm-hmm. movie feels very old and stifled, even... I know to us, but I feel like even in that time, they're just it's a musical about jazz. This could not have been popular. I mean, I think of the jazz, the jazz, the jazz age was the 20s. Yes, but it, jazz lasted a very long time. Right, until I, my, my search of popularity of jazz on the internet it says, right now, this day and age, jazz is like the lowest in popularity it's yeah. ever been. It's starting to come back. With, I, I think, I feel like I see more and more jazz parodies and any type of like cover being done to popular music or even just using the trumpet or bringing that jazzy kind of feel to music. I feel like it's, like, it's, it's, people are starting to kind of rediscover it and try and reinvent it a little bit. Okay. Which I've always liked jazz, so I can't. But you said, what, 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 people didn't like the movie because of the, the acting and the story? People didn't like it because, um, this is about 20 years removed from the Philadelphia Story movie, Mm -hmm. which is based off of... The same play. The same play. And it starred Cary Grant, Katherine Hepburn, and um, Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. So basically, they're comparing. It's the exact same story. Mm-hmm. They didn't change anything with it. They just added the songs. So they said that it lacked the pizzazz and the um, the wit that Katherine Hepburn played the um, the the socialite 
who's getting married in a very different kind of, like, discovering her, who she really is kind mm. of way. Mm. So it was really her movie, and then the boys just kind of followed along. Right. That's so- what my main problem with this movie is the female character, because it is about her. It is her yeah. movie. But this character, I have no idea who she is at all. Well, it's like they threw her in these specific situations just to put her in with these guys. But it was like vignette scenes with each guy, so you never got to know what she was wanting, what she was searching for, why she left her first husband, what is, like, what is her main motive for herself like what yeah i had i did not grasp any sense of her true personality at Mm -hmm. all at all that's why i'm like i have just problems with this movie because that's what you need for it to work yeah you need the strong independent you need the Catherine hepburn you need that that strong female lead who can kind of step into the shoes but then also embody this search for who she is because that's what the the movie is basically about is that she felt like she was trapped with her first husband. She was really, really hurt from her father. And she has this need to kind of prove that she can be on her own without a man. But then you throw in this whole wedding scenario thing. So I think when Catherine Hepburn did it in the Philadelphia story, she she kind of brought on to this whole, she's getting married because she feels like this is what she's supposed to do kind of aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, to try and replace what she left to try and kind of fix her image of herself but yet that wasn't what she wanted so she played it in a way as to where she is kind of I guess like our coming of age kind of story she played it in that way where she was like you know I made these mistakes because of these things in my past but those things shouldn't matter anymore like those are done those are over with I need to you know who am I kind of thing so with Grace Kelly, she made it a caricature. Yeah, it definitely. Because was a those, what you're describing, are great, amazing themes. Mm-hmm. And that's what the, the the play is about. That's what the the whole play is about. Yeah, the movie was basically just a vehicle to get Sinatra and Bing Crosby together because they had never worked together before. Supposedly, there's some animosity on Bing Crosby's end where he didn't. He believed that he was the superior man over. Sinatra, so there was some things about that on the internet. But, yeah, it was it was all about them. And I thought, you know, I love the stuff with Louis Armstrong. I love the stuff where they kind of brought in their, their kind of performance quality. But it had nothing to do with the movie. Mm-hmm. Literally nothing. Yeah, I loved Louis Armstrong. I love when there's, like, an omniscient narr- narrator, narrator in yeah. um, musicals. Uh, we kind of had that uh, in Jamie and Jesse, the musical that I edited with the two, we had these two bearded guys who would show up kind of at the musical numbers and everyone and kind of like offer their two cents. I mean, like, it's a thing and I love it. It's great. And he played it wonderfully. Yeah, no, he did an excellent job. Like, I really loved, I wish we would have gotten to it sooner mm-hmm. because he, that awesome opening with him in the bus and just, like, singing, and then all of a sudden he's just, like, looks in the camera and goes, song's over, story begins. I really loved that, yeah. that moment. It was great. Yeah, I wish he was in there playing the little, um, 
Cupid more. Yeah. He did a little, like, and he was there, like, three quarters away a little bit where uh, Frank starts getting in there and he's like, oh, no, what about our guy? Let's play this song to get things going again. And then, like, that's it. I wanted him, like, definitely interfering a little more. Um, I feel like that part was written that way. I feel like we were missing something. Like, I felt like there was a lot of things that were rearranged to add in certain scenes and add in certain pairings yeah and it just didn't need to be there like we didn't need the fucking uncle excuse me he was just annoying and a drunk and creepy old man like trying to to get uh, elizabeth in in uh into elizabeth's pants that was just weird and we didn't need like some of these side characters that just didn't really matter like her sister Mm -hmm. is like a big part in the beginning and then she disappears Mm -hmm. entirely until the very end yeah it was just i just feel like there was stuff that was written that got ended up on the cutting room floor just to save these studio moments like i felt like this was like the bing crosby and frank sinatra's only song together in the movie was actually a last minute ad mm. like they rewrote a song from cole porter yeah they rewrote a song from cole porter's last musical to tie in with that party mm. so, uh, song yeah so that they could have a number together because the studio came back and was like well why don't they we have these yeah. two main guys why don't we have them together because they have nothing to do with each other yeah Neither, at the point in time where the performance happens, neither one of them knew that they were still trying to go after Tracy. Yeah. What is so great about Tracy? Uh, shall we get down to the nitty gritty? Yep. Okay. So, it starts out with an overture. Yay, it's a musical. We get it. You have an overture. (laughs) But it's like five minutes long with just one title card. Yes, this is the (laughs) most... It was the weirdest thing, because normally we're used to seeing the Something credits. Something to look at. Yeah, the, well, even the credits going um, over mm-hmm. the overture. Mm-hmm. So it made sense when they did it that way. But this was the first one where we actually had credits appear at the end. You know what movie's got a great overture? What? West Side Story. I have not seen West Side Story. We've had this discussion so I'm many I'm just going to keep bringing it up. <laughs> You know, it's a great musical, West Side Story. I'm sorry that it hurts your soul that I haven't It's seen so good. It. Anywho, um, yeah, it's just a title card that says Overture. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> but it was like three to five minutes long. Mm-hmm. I, it felt like five. Actually, it felt like a half an hour because it just wouldn't end. I but, feel like you know, it was so funny because it was like, oh, Overture, okay. And then we started talking about other things. Yeah. So like, okay, movie hasn't started. <laughs> Which is probably what it was there for. I, I understand, like, the time, like, well, actually, I don't really understand the time period because movies didn't do this at this point anymore. Musicals, after the whole, like, musicals at a time, I feel like in the 40s were fantastically successful and then got less and less and less. And then at this point, it's like, why are you still making musicals? They are not popular. Because we're going to hit that point, yeah. like, in the 60s, we're not going to have, like, anything well because nobody did anything interesting with them like nobody tried to change the way that you do a musical Mm -hmm. which is when you go back and you watch the musicals from before 
they were they were big and they were flashy and and you had different things and styles coming in and mixing and and all that so it was very fascinating to watch and i think it's still fascinating for us to watch it even like today because i thought on the town was very fascinating yes yes from 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 a movie perspective uh uh, yes so and then to come back and then compare it to this and to the the previous musical that we just watched it doesn't make much sense because these are like the low budget musicals (laughs) yeah it's like we we know musical we know musicals will sell yeah but we don't want to give you the money for it yeah where we got to go make other things but it's not even, like, I think they could have made these great within their budget. I mean, the last musical seemed to have at least a decent budget mm-hmm. from a set design perspective. But, and it was a, it was a Christmas movie, so it had this vehicle behind it to add. It's just the dissociation between the story and the music. Yeah. It's, it's a real big problem. Yeah, if they made it interesting, like I thought... Like, when you go back and you see, like, the first season of Glee and how they incorporated the, the popular music and even Broadway music into the show, mm-hmm. they used it in a different, like, in a way where it didn't necessarily have to be about the story, but it ended up kind of encompassing what the story was about almost mm-hmm. for that character, specific character. So it's not doing, like, the clear-cut Broadway musical where she's singing about her feelings but she's expressing her feelings through music, just not straight up telling the audience what she's feeling. So I think it is possible to have music that doesn't really have much to do with the story, but it still can progress the story if it's done in the correct way. Okay. So it's just like they didn't want to try anything outside of that box. Okay, so after our long-ass overture, we get the MGM uh, credit. <laughs> yeah, we get Okay, so we have... And, and we have credits. Yeah, we have the overture, and then we have credits. Yeah. So we've had enough, we've had three to five minutes of overture. Now we have another two minutes of credits before we actually get to see the movie. And then we get Louis Armstrong on a bus singing High Society. Yes, which is great. Like, I was yes, so excited. Yes, start with that. Yeah. <laughs> I was so excited about the movie. Yeah, and then, oh my god, we actually get to see the shots, and they are gorgeous. After they stopped using the 8mm camera. Yes. Yes. The 8mm stuff did not look good. No. But the 35 looked beautiful. Oh my god, I loved it. It had that nice, like, it's like a gold mm-hmm. kind of, You, I felt like it was tangible. It's film. Yeah, that's true. Um, so Louis Armstrong's traveling to a mansion. He's in Newport, Rhode Island. <laughs> he said it like that. That's how I say it. That's how we all say it. Come on. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not from New Rhode Island. Newport, Rhode Island. I'm going to call your mom and ask her if that's really how you say it. No, she would say, like, Newport. Newport? Newport, Rhode Island. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Justine. Bring out your accent. No, it's gone away. (laughs) So he arrives at this mansion, and uh, he meets uh, Bing Crosby, and Bing Crosby's name is Dexter. And it's not his first name. It's his last name. Because Lord knows that makes sense. Yes. That's one thing that has annoyed me in all these movies from the past is that they introduce the characters with their last names. And it's something that we in the future are really not accustomed to (laughs) at all. So I'm like, what's his name? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's 
and they referred to him, they only ever referred to him by his first name once. Yeah. The entire time. So just make it's it like his Gatsby. first name. Yeah, just make it his first name. Like, don't. That's not don't, how you do things in high society. I don't care. I don't care. High society sucks. So, Dexter has agreed to kind of host the rehearsals for the Newport Jazz Festival. Yes. Which is like a real thing. (laughs) Is it? Yeah. Tell us more. I don't know anything about it. It sounds real. You're from there! (laughs) I'm not from Newport. (laughs) You're supposed to have like your entire family exists in Rhode Island. How do you not know this? But we're not living in the mansions, I'll tell you that. We but you're in... related to them. <laughs> yeah, we're the um, we're the Pawtucket, <laughs> the Pawtucket Newports. I feel like this is a joke that I should be like finding totally hilarious, but I I do not oh. I do not follow your customs of Rhode Island. Welcome to the Cutaways Podcast, where you get your daily dose of Rhode Island history. <laughs> So Dexter is holding, he's holding rehearsals for the Newport Jazz Festival. So that's why Louis Armstrong is there with his band. But pretty much there's like this wedding going on next door. I don't know. Does he live next door? To his ex-wife, yes. To his ex-wife. Yes. How convenient. Well, his ex-wife is having a wedding the day after, the day before. The, the jazz festival. The jazz festival. And she's like, you planned this. And he's like, no, I didn't. Mom Bing Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> he took advantage of the situation. I don't think he planned it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what she accuses him of. Well, she accuses everybody of everything and never, like, self-examines herself. So yeah. she can... Self-examine, girl. Yeah. She can go jump in the pool. So her name is Tracy, but... He calls her Sam. Again, another confusing thing that doesn't make any sense as to why he calls her by her middle name when she clearly does not like it. But, um... Well, okay, so pretty much we, they, she comes, she comes by because she hears the jazz band. She's like, you're doing this to piss me off. And it worked. <laughs> Pretty much, like, that's how we meet her. She comes over, she's like, you're doing this to piss me off. And then they kind of talk about their past a little bit, how, like, she didn't respect his career choices, and he still loves her. You know, that sort of intro to them. You know, they're the couple. Yes. They're the ex-couple, blah, blah, blah. They're we, the ones who are going to end up together. Yeah, we've seen, we've seen the movies. <laughs> this is legitimately His Girl Friday. Yeah. With a twist. Okay, so she goes back to her house, and George, the fiancé, shows up. Which, what happens to George? I don't know. He's, like, doing all the wedding planning all by himself. He's like a sourpuss, though. Yeah, he is. Like, he never smiled. He's never excited about seeing Tracy. Like, why is she marrying him if he's just kind of an asshole? Um, then there's this little girl named Carolyn, who's Tracy's little sister, and she's a little bit of a schemer, but like we, like Ashley said, she really does nothing and should have been cut out. (laughs) There were a lot of characters that should have been cut out. Um, so Bing sings a song to her about- To Carolyn, not to Tracy. Yeah, yeah, to Carolyn about being in love. I don't know. It was creepy. 
Like, let's... Okay, so we already... We've already established the Gene Kelly, um, Frank Sinatra, and Bing Crosby thing was creepy. But then this song was creepier. Mm-hmm. Because Carolyn is, like, 12. Mm-hmm. She still has her her braids and pigtails. So, clearly in District 13, she is young. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> Thank you for not being phased. Um, she, uh, so, she's, like, basically, like, why can't you marry me? And then he, she gives him a kiss. Yeah, she's got a major crush on her stepbrother. In-law. <laughs> in-law. Step, no, just brother-in-law. Yes. I still don't know how families work. <laughs> it's because you're from Rhode Island. Who knows how families work? Not me. <laughs> She's got a crush on her brother-in-law. Yes, I said it right that time. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a, she's just a little girl crush. doesn't matter that he's a skeevy old man. It is until he kisses her. Yeah. It, it is it until that happens. It was a brotherly kiss. No, it was not. I don't know. I don't. It was a kiss on the lips. It was a peck, and I don't care how old you are. <laughs> that 58-year-old man should not be kissing that 12-year-old, Okay. Yeah. I have very, like, passionate feelings about this, Justine. <laughs> okay. Let's get on with the story. <laughs> what story? So Spy Magazine calls up the the woman of the house. What's her face's mom? Tracy's mom. Yeah. With a blackmail about her husband's, her husband and a dancer. So the mom's husband and a dancer. They got this whole article printed about, about how he's having an affair. But... They said, hey, we'll table this story. We'll throw it away if we get some pictures of this wedding. They blackmail and extorted this woman on her emotional trauma. Yeah. To better their magazine because Tracy's wedding is apparently the social event of the year. Yeah. So the magazine is going to make bank off of photographs from her wedding. Yes. It's like Brad and Angelina's. Right. So when Tracy finds this out, she's like, oh, I'll give them a story. Ha 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 But it was, it was like, wild arms, I'm going to do this, and they are going to pay. Overacting. <laughs> That's literally how it was. Like, yeah. for this being Gene Kelly's last movie, I'm, I'm really sad for her. Well, I... I don't know. Do you think she cared? Because she was about to be the Princess of Monaco. Well, she didn't She didn't use her acting as a way to, like, better... I don't know. It, this she, movie sucked because of her, I'm going to say it. <laughs> it did. It really did. I, I don't... But I just don't understand how when they talk about, like, the interviews with these guys about how she was, like, this infectious, like, acting, like, crazy person on set and she like invigorated the whole crew how did that not translate because she was bad mm-hmm she's really bad like i'm sorry maybe she... it was the directing i don't know it could have been she could have been directed to overact because she's supposed to be this mm-hmm. spoiled brat essentially so she'll like do one good take and then he'll be like bigger and yeah. then that's the one they use yeah it's possible mm-hmm it's just, why? It doesn't, it, it, it turns your audience off. Yeah. Because it's weird how human human beings have the capability of telling 
like so innately like just subconsciously oh they're they're totally acting yeah like a good actor really negates that that quality in a performance so it just it's weird so then who should show up from spy magazine but frank Frank Sinatra sinatra and a woman Name Liz. Who conveniently really looked like, um, his... Yes. His, uh, his love interest from On the Town. He exactly looks alike. Like, twin. Voice, too. Yes. Like, we thought it was her for a good five minutes. Yeah. But then we found out it wasn't. I know. It was so crazy. So his character's name is Mike. Mike Connor or something. Something. His name was Macaulay. Yeah, but he Mike goes by short. Mike. Because he's, he's, he's Frank. He's got that New York vibe. He was trying to be New Like, when they first, like, showed up, he was really trying the New York accent really hardcore. Mm-hmm. And then he lost it after that scene. Like, there's the one scene where he pretends to be from New York and then he's he just... He's like, hey, oh, I'm Mike, hey. Yeah, 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 totally like that. Like a Ninja Turtle. And, <laughs> yes! But then, like, nope. He becomes Frank Sinatra again. So they are waiting in the parlor, and Caroline, the little girl, comes in. She's wearing this ballerina dress. And, uh, she's wearing a tutu and toe shoes. And she starts singing and speaking in French. Like crazy. Yeah, yeah. She comes in, legit nut job. And then Tracy yeah. comes in, and also... Speaks in French with her, and rapid is, fire French. Yeah, it reminded me of a play I was in in high school, where I had to play somebody obsessed with um, the theater. Uh huh. Like so, it was just overly dramatic. It became things and was just like ah, ah, ah you know. I could totally yeah. see you doing that. Yeah. That's Not cool. now, but back then. <laughs> No offense. I just feel like you'd be, like, in the corner of the play with your blanket. <laughs> now I'm just, like, too angsty. Now I'm a cranky old lady. Yeah. <laughs> you'd have the blanket over your head. Yes, now I would be cast as, like, the old lady in the play, being like, yeah, off my lawn. <laughs> yeah. Give me, give me your sandwich. Where's my apple juice? My slippers. And my pills. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my hip is broken. My hip is broken. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I embrace my old ladiness. <laughs> but you have purple hair. <laughs> I'm the coolest old lady in town. We're supposed to be down a page already. We almost are. Not for me, buddy. Well, you take too many notes. I write down when everything happens. Okay, hold on. I gotta read. Tracy comes in, acts crazy. And then, okay, so Tracy then introduces her mom, and then Dexter comes over, and then they're, the people who are there, Frank Sinatra and, and Liz, they really want to get an interview with their father, uh, Seth Lord. Yeah, because their editor hasn't informed them that this whole incident was based on blackmail. Yeah, so... Tracy's doing this all the all this to you know protect her dad and stuff. So when her uncle Willie comes over, she calls him Papa. It's Papa. So she kind of tries to do this little sneak thing, but then her dad actually shows up and just like, oh, my uncle Willie is here. Ah. 
Yeah, that was weird. Um, but then Frank and Liz have a scene together, and they sing a song about how they don't want to be a millionaire. It's called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and that's where we get the title of the show yep. from. Though, the, I really liked this number. Yes, I liked it too. It was really cute, and it was, like, the theme of the song was, I don't need all this stuff, all I need is you, and I thought that was really sweet, and mm-hmm. I loved the way that they were playing with all the... The props? Yeah. I love good prop work. Yeah, and they were, like, they were just having fun with one another, and I thought it was just... And it all goes downhill from here. Yeah. It was utterly adorable. Okay, so Tracy's hanging out by the pool, and Dexter brings her a wedding present, and they talk about the past some more, and he calls her stuck up. Like, we broke up because you were misentitled and you had your tiara on too tightly. Yeah, she's a cold-hearted goddess on her pedestal. Yep. That's what he said. Yep. He leaves, and she opens a present, and it's a little sailboat, and so she has... Oh, sailboat named True Love. Love. So she has a flashback back to when they had an actual boat called True Love and that they would sail on and be happy. And then in the flashback, he sings a love song to her. It was supposed to be a flashback to their honeymoon. They spent their honeymoon on it. Right. I love in my notes that I just have. Flashback! Exclamation point! (laughs) Yes. You're so excited. I love how you called it right away. You're like, I see you dissolve. It's a flashback. (laughs) like you go girl i think i scared the dog at that point oh poor puppy no that was last night i scared him a lot last night so george comes along you know mr fiance and he's like oh you got the boat gross um (laughs) what are you doing with the boat aren't you a little too old for playing with boats like who cares bro like play with the boat with her have fun he says that he wants to worship her and she's just like, Ugh, no, bro. <laughs> For some reason. That exactly seems like what she wants. The way that Grace Kelly was playing it, it felt like that's exactly what she wanted. I feel like, yes, but, like, coming right after Bing Crosby told her that you were spoiled rotten, that's why we broke up, don't be such a, you know, goddess. And now George is like, no, I want to treat you like a goddess, and... She could be like, but that's what ruined my last relationship. Yes, but your last relationship doesn't necessarily reflect on your current relationship. I don't know how anything reflects on anything in this movie. I don't know. I don't, I just don't understand that moment where he's like, please let me worship you. Let me shower you with gifts and let me love you. And she's just like, no, I'm scared. Please, please leave. Yeah, because I thought that's what she wanted. Well, yeah, because in, like, she was fighting against Bing Crosby saying that she was a goddess and and standing on this pedestal the whole time. She's like, no, you know, that's what a husband is for. You're supposed to treat me like that because that's who, what she believes in her society. That that's what the man is supposed to do to his wife to show that he loves her. This movie's giving me conflicting... This movie is giving me a headache, and we're done watching it. Okay, so (laughs) her actual dad and mom come over, because George has left, I don't know. And then she's just really pissed at her dad for all this philandering around, and he tells her that she's got an unforgiving heart, and, you know, they're fighting, and the mom says, you know, 
when you two hurt each other, you're hurting more than just each other. I don't know. I just called this part daddy douchebag. Well, they're both being... Oh, no, he's totally, yeah. a, he's totally a dick. He is, because he's like... He said something in there. He's like, what? My affairs don't have anything to do with any of you guys. Yeah. It's just like, dude, you're married to this woman and you're telling her, you know, like... like straight to her face that she doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't know. I was just like, wow. Like, he was harsh. Yeah. Like, crazy harsh. I also, every time he was talking, though, I just wanted him to turn around and say, like, something along the lines about the men in black and how the aliens were about to take over the world because his voice sounded exactly like that dude's. And he was wearing Ray-Bans. <laughs> and he was wearing Ray-Bans. I just wanted him to turn around and say, aliens. <laughs> okay, that's what because I wanted. aliens. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's our tweet for this episode. <laughs> Our tweet that we will, I will forget about, sadly. Okay. Unless I write it down, which I don't have a pen. Okay, so Tracy gets mad, and then she takes Mike into her car. She's like, I'm angry, Mike, let's go. I didn't understand this. Like, again, this was another situation where they're like, okay, these two need to be in a situation together where they can fall in love, and... We need to show this awesome Mercedes. Go. Yeah. And it just... The car was cooler than the scene. Yeah, she's just, like, freaking out. I don't know what she's freaking out about, but she's always freaking out. But she's like, we rich people have problems, too. You see these boarded-up mansions? You see? We have problems. <laughs> it reminds like, okay. what's your point? <laughs> so, I know you don't watch Mountain Abbey, but it reminded me of... I think it was like three seasons ago where the rich people are having to figure out how to keep their their mansions together Mm -hmm. and how to keep the they call it the um I think it's like the the estate how to keep the estate self-sufficient and like a lot of people were having problems with that and a lot of people got caught in like Ponzi schemes it really reminded me of like this was the turn of the century American rich styles because this this happened in Europe in the 20s, mm-hmm. where their lifestyle had to, to shift because they couldn't afford to keep doing this, especially with the after effects of war. Well, and didn't how- it happen here, too, with the Great Depression? I just keep thinking, Gatsby! <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I'm saying, like, again, it was just, like, a it was just a, a period shift. Mm-hmm. Like, it felt like, honestly, this felt like a 40s movie, like a 40s, yes. 50s movie, where it was just after the war... America's dealing with, you know, coming out of the Great Depression, but also dealing with the after effects of war, and people had to to downsize. Yeah, that's why I'm like, this movie feels dated even for its time. It did not feel like a 50s movie. Even though they tried to add in the 50s fashion, it, mm-hmm. didn't, it didn't work. But it did feel very European to me for some reason. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... She takes him to her Uncle Willie's mansion in Newport, and... Which, she says that he, he's having to sell it, or give it away, yeah. to become a boy's home, but then they make a joke about how he's, like, getting kicked out, or something, and she's like, no, he's, he's doing fine. Did you catch that? No, I don't know what's happening. I didn't understand, I didn't understand why we needed to know all this information about Uncle Willie. That's basically it. Yeah, so they go and they have some drinks, 
at Uncle Willie's expense. <laughs> and Frank sings... You're sensational. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Why does he fall in love with her? Well, what's interesting is this was actually a popular song for the time mm. that they redid for the movie. And it actually... I don't... I had no idea what was happening. It would make more sense if... The other guy was singing this to her. It would have made more sense had there not been a love square. Yes. We need triangles. But triangles are easier to you comprehend. You said the love square was already in the play already. It is, but they don't play. I, it's like they how they kind of did with His Girl Friday, how mm-hmm. it was always Hildy and um, Her- Cary Grant's movie. Mm-hmm. It was always their movie. Whereas her fiance just kind of was like used as a as a humor device in that they kind of you do the same thing with the husband where she doesn't really have to choose between her choose her fiance because he's already out of the running it's always these two guys so it is technically a triangle in the original movie Mm, does that make sense i guess so because he's just there as the inciting incident of them getting married that's all he's there for which, yeah. which is not because we're we're so used to the, the the love triangle thing, like it's done to death. Yeah, at this point, especially after Twilight. Twilight yes. made it worse. Yeah. So I think we kind of have it like hardwired in. Like we don't. Why add another person into that? Like that doesn't make any sense. But I think what we're seeing is we're seeing the beginnings of the love triangle trope, but they're still trying to figure out how to write it. So they don't, they're picking and choosing these specific traits and giving them to all these different characters. And plus, you also have these two big guys Mm -hmm. for the time period. So you're kind of already shoving this guy out, but they're not realizing it. He's just... That's when you're like, why isn't Frank Sinatra the fiance? Yeah, I thought that's what was going to happen. Like, I did not, I didn't even think about, I thought the journalist was going to be there to be antagonizing to the whole situation, and they were trying to hide the attraction, the additional attraction, while they're, you know, getting married. Oh my god, rewrite this. (laughs) That would have been, like, a much more interesting movie than having Frank Sinatra's character just randomly fall in love with her for no reason. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Because she wasn't... He was he was not interested. He had just sang with Elizabeth about how he didn't want to be a millionaire and he didn't want to be in this lifestyle because he didn't he didn't understand it and didn't think it was necessary. Mm-hmm. And then he like does a complete one eighty with her and what they're talking about. Yeah. So it doesn't it didn't feel right. Nope. All right. So then we cut over to Bing. And this is the point where Louis Armstrong is like, oh no, we got another player in town. Let's get our boy moving. So he starts playing that Samantha song. Dexter wrote this song about Tracy called Samantha. And she was kind of pissed at him about it because it kind of details their like love life. And it became a, a big hit song. So he starts singing that and like she can hear it from her room too. And like she's kind of into it. And she's just like, oh. Those days. This is also where she starts becoming a drunk. Yeah. She, like, starts heavily... She's heavily drinking with um, Frank Sinatra in the Your Sensational song. Right, yeah. And, like, pretending to give him drinks, but then drinking them herself. Mm -hmm. And then 
like, I think she was still drunk during the scene where she hears the song because she's preparing for the, the wedding party. Yeah. Which she didn't really seem to care about. This is, again, I'm like, I don't, un- I don't quite understand what, how she was supposed to be portraying this character. Yeah, I, yes, I have nothing to add about her character because I'm like, I don't care. Who is, she? I don't know. It was almost like the guys just needed to fall in love with one another and it would have been a much cooler movie. Ooh, yeah. Like, how she just, she, she is kind of, she's never gonna change, she's never gonna not be the cold-hearted goddess on her pedestal kind of thing, that she's just gonna end up with George, but then Frank and Bing are gonna go off together. That'd be nice. It makes sense. That would make their whole song and dance number... At the party, yeah, make plus, way like, more sense. Frank is a writer and, and Bing's a musician. They, they could work well together. Yeah. Next scene, ballroom dancing. Cha-cha-cha. Strictly ballroom. Ooh, I can't wait for Strictly ballroom. <laughs> so next we have their... Um, what do you call the, the, the party before the wedding? It's a... I'm assuming it's like their version of a rehearsal dinner. Right. But it was like the reception. Yes, it was a rehearsal dinner ballroom dancing spectacular. Yeah, it was like, bam, 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 look at these dresses, look at these, this fashion. Mm-hmm. Like, they would have had a red carpet where people would have been interviewed about what dresses they were wearing. Yeah, so um, Bing gets invited to sing on stage at this event, and he sings a song about jazz. With Louis Armstrong. Yeah, that was cool. I liked that song. I actually really liked that song. Tracy, on the other hand, is getting really wasted. (laughs) Yeah, I said she's drunk off her nut. (laughs) She dances um, with a bunch of people, but then Dexter comes over, this is after his number, and he takes her dancing, and then they kind of go outside onto the patio, and he smooches her because he's like, can I kiss the bride? Yeah, it's, he's, like, he's using it as a ploy, like, the whole, he's using the tradition of kissing the bride before her wedding for good luck as a ploy to win over her drunk ass. Yep, appropriate. And then George, the fiancé, comes out and catches them, and he's like, I see what you're up to. By the way, George hates Dexter, hates seeing Dexter around. He's like, you're trying to steal her? (laughs) Yeah, but he does nothing. That's how he wins. He just, like, kicks back and just uses everybody else's neuroses to settle it all. Yeah, and she doesn't actually ever choose. Right. And then Frank and and Bing have a song. Yeah, what a swell party. Where Frank is, like, fake drunk. Yeah, he's funny. He was pretty funny. It was a pretty funny, like, dance number-y kind of thing. Yeah. But, again, it didn't have any... Like, it would have been cool if this happened before he went out on the patio with Tracy. Mm-hmm. Because then it could be, like, his pep, like, pep song or pep talk number. Mm-hmm. Where he's, like, he's gaining the courage to kind of go up and do this or try and win her back. I don't, I don't know. It didn't, it, the placement didn't make sense. The song didn't make sense. It didn't make sense to as to why these two characters needed to be in a scene together. They sang their song, and then it was never mentioned again, ever. Mm-hmm. It didn't make any sense. Okay, so then Tracy escapes out her window, but there's Frank helping her out on the other side. So 
they, who is also drunk they're, at this point. They're drunk. They go lie on the patio where they're still drinking and even more drunk. Like, how she have has they not been ha- drinking for like 24 hours. Yeah, how does she not have alcohol poisoning at this point? Yeah, cause she hasn't eaten. She's just like liquid. Well, this is, this is after, so George takes her and like takes her to a room after he catches um her and Bing Crosby kissing. And is like, okay, you need to stay down in here. You need to lie down. You're not feeling very well. Like, I'm going to be your responsible, like, husbandry person and put you to bed when you're you're a little too sloshed. Yep. So, yeah, she goes out the window. But then George is mad because Tracy is missing. I don't know how. There are two houses in this movie. How could she be missing for so long? <laughs> how has nobody gone to look for her? He's like, she's missing! And they're like, eh. And nobody walked over to... Next door? (laughs) Wait a second. Actually, no. They're at her uncle's house. Oh. So, why did nobody go look for her? How the hell did they get home? How the hell did they get back to her house? This, I'm realizing this, and this doesn't make sense. Okay, so then, well... Mike and Tracy are at her, they're, they're at her house. Yes, they're at her house. So, no one has come looking for them. At, at her all. own house. At her own house. But yet, how did we get to her house if she snuck out of the window and is actually standing outside of her house? Like, they totally, like, fudged continuity. I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything. Oh, wait, wait, wait. They try to steal a car. Oh, right, yeah. They, they end the scene taking a car. Okay. Okay. That may that makes it a little bit better, but yeah. still, how did nobody know to come look for them at their house? I don't know. Okay, so Mike and Tracy are dancing by the pool because she wanted to. She dance. wanted to dance, and then he sings that he wants. He pretty much wants to get busy with her. <laughs> yeah, which which did yeah it was gross. We're just gonna go with that. It was gross. Yeah, and they talk about how they both have the shakes. Because you're wasted. And then they smooch. (laughs) (laughs) Dexter is hanging out with Liz. And, you know, she goes off to bed. So that was pointless. But then George comes out. And, you know, Dexter notices that George is pissed. He kind of has an idea of what's happening. But he's trying to protect George by, like, uh, you know, calming him down because Mike and Tracy are, are coming over. He can hear them singing, and he's just like, no, 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 it's, it's all good, la, 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 you should go the other way. And he's like, no, that's, that's Tracy. What's she doing with that man? Yeah, in her bathrobe. Yep. Because she, at the end of their whole little song number, she jumps in the pool. Yeah. And so, yeah, they jumped in the pool. So they come over in their bathrobes, and George is upset. And so Dexter hits Mike to kind of protect him from, well, because he's like, oh, I don't want George to hit him because George is really going to sock him. I'm just going to pop him a little. You know, he's going to fall down because he's drunk. (laughs) I still didn't understand why it was necessary. Men are weird. That's just clear. It's just like Dexter and Mike, after their song, kind of, they became bros. He's like, I'll protect you. I know you're doing something with the lady, but don't worry. I'm going to get her in the end. I don't know. He doesn't I like didn't George. I understand this. So the next day... Is their wedding. Is their wedding morning. Willie shows up all hungover. Everyone is hungover. I don't know about you, but everyone Well, is he un-hungover. comes over because he says Carolyn 
is called called her because she had a dream that they can't get married and Tracy comes out and she's wicked hungover and um Mike comes around Dexter's there and pretty much is like Tracy is like regretful she's because she believes that she has lost her virtue yes but she's already been married so her virtue is already gone yes they okay yeah um Mike <laughs> yes Mike well no. who are we talking about Dexter there's too many men Dexter knows that something happened between Mike and Tracy last night, but he doesn't really know. But he's willing to take a step back and let them kind of figure it out. Yeah. Whereas, like, George... George comes over, and he's just, like, steam coming out of his ears, like... Ginger was mad. Yeah, what... What... What? (laughs) You have lost my respect... You are dead to me. Yeah. But also, Liz and Mike tell Tracy that they're resigning from the magazine and aren't going to run the story. So they're like, yay. So George is like, you know, maybe we're not going to get married. I don't know what happened last night. We're not going to get married. But then Mike tells them what happened. He's like, all, all what happened was there were two smooches and we jumped in the pool and I carried her to her bed and just left. And that's it. And... Tracy doesn't remember any of it, and she's like, I'm, I'm, I'm good, I'm good, yay. And, well, she also, this is where we have that weird, like, consent conversation from Frank Sinatra. Like, there's law, what did he say? Yeah, he's like, well, I wasn't gonna, pretty much he says, well, I'm not gonna do anything because you're a little too, he, she was drunk. She was drunk, and he's like, there's laws protecting against that, or there's law, or there's, Something in polite society. Yeah, you just that. don't do that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. He's like, I didn't rape her. The end. Yeah. <laughs> and then everybody believes him and it's all good. Yeah. Um, so then George is like, fine. Well, what do you think? And so she turns down George. I don't know how. Well, she sort of figures herself out at this point of being like, well, I don't want to be this type of girl or something. She comes to a realization, I don't know how, I don't really understand, but she turns down George. Yes. And then the wedding starts. And she's like, ah, what do we do, what do we do? And they're like, you've got to say something. And she's like, okay, okay, I'll make an announcement. And then, so Dexter is coaching her with the words to say. And so he pretty much gets her to say... You know, two years ago, I eloped, and you weren't able to have a wedding, but now you're going to get the wedding that you should have had. And she turns around, she's like, really? And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh, my God, we're going to get married. Yeah, like, she totally doesn't choose. Right. Yep. Everything is chosen for her. And then the wedding happens, and then Mike and Liz get together, and then there's jazz wedding. The end. Yep, that's it. Louis Armstrong plays, and we good. And then he tells says story over. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. You're the best, Louie. Thanks, Louie. He was the best part of the entire movie. Yes. Entire movie. And he was probably in it for three minutes. Yes. <laughs> um, I wrote down the age difference thing. How Bing was 53, Frank was 40, and Kelly was 26. Nope. So that was the thing. Nope. That's just a nope. That's gross. That's gross. I don't know what my feelings were about this movie. I feel like I watched it and I'm like, something happened. (laughs) 
It was a thing. I don't know. Yay. I was just like, you know what? I'm just kind of, I'm kind of done with Frank Sinatra and uh, Bing Crosby. Mm-hmm. Give me more Cary Grant. That's all I want. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a rating for this movie? Yes. One and a half Louis Armstrong trumpets. <gasps> you stole mine. <laughs> Did I really? I didn't really have an idea, but that was, like, my first idea. It was either that or gigantic fist-sized engagement things. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that, too. <laughs> I mean, it was fun in certain aspects, and there were great, like, little snippets, but as a whole, it was not good. Mm-hmm. It was just not good. I'm sorry. I guess I'll give it two sailboats of love. Of love. <gasps> On the love. I really, really like the cinematography. It was very well done. Just watch this movie muted. (laughs) Watch this movie with pink dark side of the moon playing backwards (laughs) and something will happen. I'm not 100% sure what that something is, but it'll happen. Yep. So speaking of Cary Grant... He's back! Ah, I'm so excited! Next week, we're going to be watching 1957's Kiss Them For Me, which features an old man Cary Grant. Yeah. But old man Cary Grant is better than no Cary Grant. Yes. We love him. Yes. Unofficial Cary Grant. Fan club. Fan club. Right yeah. here. <laughs> Members one and two, right here. <laughs> um, so you can listen and download our episodes at thecutaways.com. Please leave us some comments, rate us, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, we really would love feedback. It would make our hearts happy. We are also on Facebook and Twitter at the Cutaways Podcast. Not the Cutaways Podcast, just at Cutaways Podcast. Yes. Yeah, because I do that on accident. I added the. Even though there is no the, I add it. Mm-hmm. She's reading a script and she still adds it. Yep, I do. I like subconsciously. It is a it's a thing. It is a thing that happens. All right. So, we'll see you guys next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.